Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would continue to be with us and bless us as we worship you in spirit and in truth this day. And Lord, through the preaching and proclamation of your word, may we continue to draw closer to you and closer to each other as a family of faith. We thank you for this opportunity to receive your word that you have in store for us and respond to that word through our prayers, praises, and offerings. Through worship, Lord, and through this message, may we get to know you more and more as your people. We ask and pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen. Welcome to another exciting edition of our fall sermon series, RE, looking at words that start with RE as we lead up to the last weekend in October, which is Reformation Weekend, and as we consider how God is continually reforming us and reshaping us into the likeness of his son, Jesus, which of course is the goal of our spiritual maturity and part of the purpose why we gather week in and week out for worship, why we study God's word together, and as we serve alongside each other as this family of faith. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. And I pray God's blessings upon us as we continue to worship and, of course, as we continue to receive his word this morning. The title of the message this morning is this, When Jesus Asks Us to Reconsider. Yes, we'll be using the word reconsider a time or two throughout the message, but we're looking at Mark 10. Mark 10, 17 through 22, where Jesus has encountered by this man, this man of means, this wealthy person who's come to Jesus to ask him a pivotal question. And the question that he's asking Jesus is this. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So what is eternal life that he's asking about? It is this. The eternal life is the full and final reign and rule of God found in a relationship of truth and trust in Jesus. Also, eternal life is being in the presence of the Lord forever, worshiping God and enjoying the splendor of his majesty in a new heaven and a new earth that God will recreate for us when Christ returns, and a glorified body and soul that he will resurrect for us when Christ returns. Free from sin, free from sorrow, free from suffering. That is the goal. That is the question that's on this man's heart and mind as he approaches the Lord. And what I like about this man, before the things we talk about that we don't like so much about this man, is this, that at least the man is going to the right place. So many times in our lives, when pain or problems come, when we find ourselves in a situation or circumstance that is challenging, we turn inward, we look into our own minds, we see if we have the strength of heart and will, or we look to our immediate left and right, our family and friends, our coworkers, our classmates, and we look there for answers to life's problems. And yes, we can help ourselves, yes, other people can help us too, but sometimes we fail to look up Sometimes we fail to go to the right person, the right source to gain wisdom and insight in facing our challenges and in solving some of our problems. So at least this man is going to the right place, the right source. He comes before the Lord, 
the scriptures say that he bows down before him, recognizing that this is a really special rabbi, not like anyone else that he may have encountered or not like the usual Jewish religious leader. And so he's going to the right source and he asks this question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Look at the question there. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's going to be important to understand as we go through the message this morning because I believe that's what Jesus is keen in on as he responds to this man who's come before him asking him such a pivotal question. Now, Jesus in his response to this wealthy person who's come to ask him such an important question does something interesting. Jesus poses a question back to this gentleman. In other words, he answers a question with a question. You'll find throughout the Gospels that Jesus does this quite often. And the reason is twofold. Because, number one, to answer a question with another question does this. It helps reveal the assumptions and either the misunderstanding or the understanding of the questioner. And number two, it provides the entry point for the conversation. Now, this is a great strategy to have and to utilize when you are addressing questions from other people regarding life and salvation, regarding faith and ministry, regarding church and eternity. It's good to pause for a moment. Take a breath. Breathe a prayer for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and insight and timing and words. And then, instead of launching into your diatribe, drawing upon your vast experience and your incredible wealth of knowledge on theological topics, ask a question or two. Make sure you understand a little bit more about the person and what they're really wanting before you find that entry point into the conversation and before you follow the Lord's leading in your response. Now, young people out there, asking a question of the questioner is not an effective strategy when it comes to home life and things like homework. What homework is that? Or chores. What do you mean there's laundry to do? Or dishes to be done? Or rooms to be clean? What are these clothes that you speakest of, mother? Where aren't these dishes, father, that need to be washed and rinsed and dried? Not a great strategy sometimes. But when we're talking about serious topics with each other, sometimes it's good to pause and ask questions. Jesus' encounter with this man is a special encounter. And as Jesus looks to respond to the man, he's going to start delivering the word to him. The Old Testament word to him, the law-oriented words to him, the words that look an awful lot like the Ten Commandments. And we see this in Jesus' response. You know the commands. You ask me, what must I do to inherit eternal life? First, I'm gonna ask you a question. Why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. But you know the commands. And Jesus starts summarizing them for the man. And interestingly, most of them have to do with the second table of the law. Well, what's the first table of the law? And what's the second table of the law? I'm glad you asked, because here it is. So first table of the law over here, commandments one through three, considering our relationship with God. 
Second table, the law, commandments four through 10, our relationship with others. First table of law, you will not have any other gods before me. You will not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Reserve that for prayer and worship, yes. And then remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In other words, have a day of rest and worship with your family to consider the things of God for your life. The second table of law has things like honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother, young people. Honor your father and mother, adult children who don't think you need a mom or dad anymore. Honor your father and mother, right? Uh, Don't hurt or harm your neighbor. Honor your marriage. Don't take stuff that's not your own. Don't gossip or lie about other folks. Support them in their reputation and good standing in the community. And then be content. Don't cover, covet other people's stuff or other people's people, right? That's kind of a, a summary of all the commandments, four through 10, in that second table of law that have to do with our relationship with each other. Jesus summarizes these commands for this man who's come to him and asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says back to him, do the commands. And the guy actually takes the bait. And you wish he would have taken a different approach. You wish there were other words that would come out of his mouth. But in his, in his, in his arrogance, in his naivety, he says to the Lord, all these I have kept since I was a young person. All these I've kept. Does Jesus believe him? No. Because he's going to challenge them in a little bit. Do we believe him 2,000 years later? No. We don't believe him. Why? Because we know you can't obey the Ten Commandments. We know you can't keep the entirety of God's law. Not without his help. Not without his power. Not without the presence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and through our lives. Let me ask you a question. Which one of you has kept the entire law of God? Which one of you has kept all 10 commandments perfectly? I can remember a time back in high school, shortly after confirmation, I knew what I was doing. I knew what worship was. I knew what the Lord's Supper was. I was preparing my heart and mind to receive the Lord's Supper. And I remember thinking back on the week prior and honest to goodness, I said to myself, you know, Lord, I think we did a pretty good job this week. In fact, not all much comes to mind that I need to repent of. So I'm not, you know, are are we good? Thank God for his grace and mercy in our lives, right? Even when we think that we know, even when we think that we've done all that God has asked for us, He's still gracious and merciful to us and extends that that word of forgiveness for us. You know, it's interesting. As Jesus is asking this man to reconsider his relationship with his Savior, because Jesus is going to basically try to convince this man that he is unable to, to fulfill the demands of the law on his own and thereby not access eternal life by himself. Jesus is also asking us to reconsider our relationship with our Savior. Please allow me to ask you a few questions this morning. First, what gods are you clinging to for a sense of safety in this life or perhaps the life to come? Is it 
a good name or a good family? Is it good looks or good works? Is it a good performance in life or a good performance at the job? What is it that you're clinging to for a sense of safety for your life as you look to the life to come? And what goods are you holding on to to help you feel secure? Is it money or medicine? Is it the stuff that you have or the home in which you live? Is it an inheritance that's forthcoming or perhaps your investments at which you're savvy? All these things are good things. All these things are helpful and you, you are free to pursue these things and God bless you as you do. But to place on them the ultimate standard of providing safety and security for this life, even as you look to the next life, is perhaps misguided. And God might be asking you to reconsider your relationship with him. And why would we want to do that? Isn't this God holy and just? Isn't he righteous and perfect? Doesn't he demand an awful lot for us? I mean, 10 commandments, I can't even get those right. And I know that there's more commands in the word of God than those. How am I supposed to fulfill all this? And that's when God comes to you and reminds you about who he is and who you are and who we are in relationship with him. And he says, take it easy. It's going to be okay. I am your God. I am with you and I am for you. How do we know this? Because we look to his word and we actually look to the preamble to the 10 commandments. Does anyone know what comes before commandment number one? We find that these commandments in Exodus 20 and also in Deuteronomy 5 in the Old Testament. And before the Lord utters one word of command to his people in this Decalogue, in this Ten Commandments, he first reminds Moses and the Israelites of this, that I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. How many of you knew that was part of the Ten Commandments? How many of you know that was the first line of the Ten Commandments? Yeah. We don't always start with that one, do we? But what this communicates to me, and I hope to you, are two things. First, that redemption precedes righteousness. Please say that with me. Redemption precedes righteousness. And number two, grace comes before good works. Please say that with me. Grace comes before good works. In other words, God will never require something of you unless he has first done something for you. God reminds the children of Israel that he is their God, that he has led them out of slavery under the Pharaoh into and toward this promised land that's forthcoming. God reminds you and me that he is our God and that he has led us out of slavery to sin and selfishness and short-sightedness into a relationship of truth and trust in him through the personal work of his son, Jesus Christ, as we await our time in the promised land that is to come. And that is a beautiful testimony of the grace and goodness of God for our lives, that he's going to act first in our lives before he asks us to respond to him. Friends, we know this to be true, 
that God has accomplished everything necessary for your salvation and for mine through his son, Jesus Christ. We cannot work to earn God's favor. We cannot do good things to merit his holiness or to gain entrance into heaven. Instead, we gratefully and graciously receive this free gift of love and forgiveness and faith and eternal life that God offers us to us through his son. You know, friends, we understand that Jesus is going to say to this man, this wealthy man who's come to him and asked this pivotal question, well, here's what you do. You, you have one thing left that's needed. Go and sell your possessions, give all of that to the poor, and then come follow me. But before he offers that challenge, Jesus does this. Did you catch this from what Robin read earlier? Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at this man after he said he has accomplished all of the commands and he loves him. Friends, thanks be to God that Jesus looks at us and in our arrogance, in our naivete, in our self-reliance, he still loves us. He knows we can't do it on our own. He knows we ought not to do it on our own. But he looks at us and he loves us. And he keeps inviting us into a deeper relationship with him. A relationship where perhaps we'll be more vulnerable. A relationship where perhaps we'll lean into him a little more. A relationship will continue to empower us and equip us not only to receive that gift of saving faith in Christ, but also share that gift with others. Friends, how do we follow Jesus in this life? It's not in giving all we possess to the poor, unless that is God's calling on your life. That was primarily for this young man who came with that particular question because of his issue with pride and self-reliance. But following Jesus in this life means taking that, that first tablet of the law and combining it with that second tablet of the law so that we see that loving and serving God really has to do with loving and serving our neighbor. And that when we sacrifice our time, energy, and resources in service to the Lord, we're really doing that to bless the lives of those around us. Following Jesus means receiving his grace and mercy and then responding to that grace and mercy by lives of faithful service dedicated to the Lord and in support of his people. That's what following Jesus is about. And that is what he's asking us to reconsider this morning. Reconsidering our relationship with God, who we are in relationship to him. Reconsidering our relationships with each other, who we are in relationship to other. And realizing that we don't have to do it all on our own. That we can lean into him and rely on him when times get tough. And that we can call upon him to assist when other people around us, our loved ones, those whom God has placed in our life are in need themselves. That is the beauty and the blessing of living in a relationship of truth and trust with our Lord. Friends, I need this reminder constantly in my life, in my relationship with God and in our, my relationships with others because I like to rely on myself. I don't want grace from other people. I don't want to be a charity case. I don't want a handout necessarily. 
But you know what the beautiful thing is? God reminds me that I can't do it on my own, that I need others around me. In fact, I need a wife who loves and supports me. I need children who, again, will uh, honor me and obey me. (laughs) Someday. But also I need their help and their love in my life. I need a congregation of folks who are gonna come around me and support our staff in accomplishing the mission of showing how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. Because the truth is, almost every day of my life, since I was a child, I've been rewarded for being good, for doing good, and I think you have too. Back in the day when I went to Sunday school, we had this chart, and it was an attendance chart, and you got a gold star by your name and recorded all the Sundays that you were in attendance in Sunday school. And if you got enough gold stars, you would get a treat from the treat men. And a treat was like a sticker or a pencil or some Jesus thing, right? And so that was kind of cool. But I was rewarded for good attendance in school, in elementary school, and in junior high, in high school, even in college. If I did my assignments and studied well for my exams and did a good job on my papers, I would get a good grade. And the better grades you got, perhaps the more opportunities that would be presented to you or the more money you would get for a scholarship. And even as an adult, if I showed up for work and and did a good job at work, then I would not only get paid, but I would also perhaps get promoted. And I have more levels of responsibility. I'm not sure how that's an award, but that's how it goes. But everything in our life seems to be a reward system for being good and doing good. And God takes that and turns it on its head and says, it's not about that in my economy. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. If you want eternal life, it's not about what you do, it's about what's been done for you. So you can relax, you can enjoy, and you can be blessed in the faith and the freedom and the forgiveness that God has provided for you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friends, I know you're smart. I know you're tough and I know you're not gonna give up. But you don't have to do life on your own. And you certainly can't earn eternal life on your own. You were never meant to. And God, thanks be to God that he's done that for you. That was the point of Jesus' encounter with this wealthy man. That is Jesus' message to you this day as well. May God be with us and bless us as we reconsider our self-reliance, as we follow Jesus in our lives and rejoice in the salvation of our Savior. And all God's people said, amen.